0: Welcome to the Obscure Broadcasting Podcast, Famous Last Words. I'm Andrew. I'm Teresa. And I'm Chris. And today we're going to be talking about good old Uncle Tito. No, not the vodka, Terry Malik. Terrence, I don't know him. We're talking <laughs> about Terrence Malik. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Too many nicknames.
0: I still like Uncle Tito the best. Yeah. For those of you that no, don't know, and if, you need, or if we need a reminder, here are his, his movies. He, in chronological order extra points uh is badlands days of heaven 20 years uh the thin red line uh new world tree of life to the wonder note of cups and song to song, song to song and that's not including voyage of time which didn't get a wide release or a, a dvd release what did you see that Mm-mm. i didn't see it either so. not yet uh, so we're not we're not going to include that one. We're also not going to include he has one other thing that came before Badlands as like a short that I don't think is even possible to be seen, so we're not gonna include include those so now, having the full breadth of his work in front of you
1: mm, this is hard because my problem with his films is I always have an issue with one thing in each of his films, so I'd say probably tree of life but i hate all of the dinosaur stuff and i'm okay with some of the space stuff
2: <laughs> mine is also tree of life
0: well you had to go you have to, what's your second favorite um mm,
2: uh, I, I don't know at, at the time that i saw it i remember thinking days of heaven was my second favorite malik movie but it's been so long since i've seen that one um
0: which was the first one you saw
2: uh i think it was the new world was the first malik movie i ever saw
1: me too, actually.
0: You saw it in theaters, right?
1: Yeah, I saw it in theaters in London.
0: Yeah, weird. Uh the first one I saw was Days of Heaven. I saw that uh I bought it and saw it. I didn't see any of them in theaters. Well oh, I saw some of song in theaters, but
1: But we won't talk about that one. <laughs>
0: uh I would say my favorite, just to be different, is it might be, it's probably true life, but I think my favorite's the thin red line. Uh not discounting true life. I really like The Thin Red Line. I think it's it's one of the best war movies ever made. Definitely the best movie about the uh, um, Pacific theater of World War II. It also helps that he was adapting another story that he wasn't completely on his own and kind of tethered to uh, the story being told. Apparently he didn't make many friends in the edit of that movie because I guess Adrian Brody was the original main character. And if you've seen it, and this is no spoiler, he's in like maybe three scenes. Uh, and has like maybe five lines of dialogue. Uh, yeah,
2: George Clooney shows up at the end for like five seconds. It's like, oh, hey, it's George Clooney. Okay, cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's because the the studio had to have him there. Yeah. yeah. Um, John Travolta gives a, a good cameo performance, Nick Nolte gives a great performance. Um, the movie's chuck full of people. A lot of people that even got edited out of the movie, like Jared Leto's in the movie, and he got it completely, edit, nearly completely edited out. Sean Penn got a lot of his scenes edited out. Um, which is named Jim Cavill. yeah, Jim Cavill. Uh plays like the main character basically who mm-hmm. on paper had a a uh a smaller, a, a smaller role. supporting role. They they exposed like a million feet of film on like the second day. So they were they were cruising.
1: Um real quick. Yeah, the thin red line is the only one that I haven't seen, so I guess Ooh, need it, to see that if one. I've seen that one it could outrank the other ones. Plus I also really like Badlands, I think. It's a really simple story and he doesn't go crazy with it, but it's really beautiful and memorable. Um, but yeah, should we talk about the um, what you just brought up that he exposed, what you say, a, how many feet of film? A million. A million feet of film in the second day. Should we talk about his like his step into the digital land? Because now he can basically record as much as he wants. Yeah. And is that like a good thing or is that like part of the reason why Song to Song maybe was like a complete.
0: I'm not 100% sort of sure disaster. which one it was, if it was To the Wonder, Night of the Cups or because I know that most of most of Tree of Life was was film like that was film shot on film. But I think that the three after are, are all digital. I know Song to Song was digital.
2: Night but, of Cups is too. I'm not sure about To the Wonder, but you're probably right.
0: Well, To the Wonder out of those three has the most maybe the most story. But it's not the best of those three, I don't think.
1: Yeah, and those are the three that I think people like have a hard time with enjoying. Um I actually really like to the I like Knight of Cups and To the Wonder for different reasons. Um but I think stylistically they're still really beautiful. Um, yeah, there's just like not much of a story, and I just feel like he edited around his hours and hours of film or video that he recorded.
0: Yeah, so with song to song, he used like phones and GoPros and things too, right? So mm-hmm. he did that with Net cups for sure. There's GoPro footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they're very problematic movies. I don't even know if there's a story there. I mean, you hear actors talk about there's no there's no story. There's no script. They're they're kind of getting pages every day of like things to think about, and then they go shoot it.
2: Yeah, I think <clears throat> especially in his later films, Malik is kind of more. Into the process of filmmaking, maybe not necessarily the finished product, or you know what he's putting together. I think he's obsessed with like the act of going out and shooting these million tapes of or million feet of film. Now it's just all digital, so he can shoot literally as much as he wants. I'm sure there's like 20 movies that he could, he could cut out of each movie that he makes. Um, but yeah, where I think he was, he's not as concerned with narrative as much anymore as he used to be. His movies kind of exist in this like memory dream world sort of um
1: yeah like a poetic landscape mm -hmm. which is fine i mean i think sometimes that's a nice it's nice to watch just to be inspired by maybe his visual artwork
2: (laughs) yeah it's nice to just like let it all wash over you even if you have no idea what it means
1: yeah
0: yeah i mean they they're a little bit kind of feel like uh which is what he is i mean he, An older man that's like reflecting back on his life choices and he just so happens to have, you know, the best of the best to work with. Uh, there's, you know, I know that To the Wonder was partially autobiographical that he, you know, after he made Days of Heaven, he took notably like a, a 20 year break off from making movies kind of like you know forever he was like he had made two well-regarded films and days of heaven when at that time was considered a masterpiece and it probably is and he just took it off to go teach philosophy in paris uh fell in love moved back and forth he's also and this is a fact that maybe needs fact checking but I, I believe i've i've heard it a couple times now from different sources is that he's independently wealthy he's got some family money and oil uh outside of his filmmaking, so I guess there's a question of whether or not he even would need the studios to, like, back it anymore. He could, maybe not, like, spend $20 million on a movie rich, but he could definitely still tell the stories with just him, a Chivo, and DSLR.
2: (laughs) Which is what it seems like he's doing anyway. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Which also, I would much rather have somebody doing something like this, like, experimenting with narrative and poetic images and things like that, than, like, your run-of-the-mill, like, formulaic action film, you know? Like, I'd watch... Obviously, like we get excited every time there's a Terrence Malick uh, yeah, movie as, as on its way out. For sure. As, yeah,
2: as, as much as we have a problem with his films, we do love them at the same time somehow. I don't know how that works, but it's like, well, it's like you always say, like, you'd rather live in a world where Malick keeps putting out movies than ones where he doesn't, and I think we can all agree on that, no matter how problematic they end up being.
1: And maybe, like, some of the problems that arises because we know what he can do I mean he's an amazing filmmaker and amazing at stringing these images together um so we see like all the potential and then so when he puts out something kind of disappointing it's really disappointing because we just like love his work so much
0: I think that's exactly I think it's also it's also frustrating frustrating that like he has all these resources that he seemingly doesn't use he's got plentiful resources and he doesn't seem to use them particularly well and because he's you know a brilliant guy and he should be writing stories and and he can tell stories we know he can tell stories i'm really excited uh i don't know when this is coming out probably before but i'm really excited to see what the criterion release of tree of life looks like because there's apparently a whole new cut of tree of life uh that includes way more of the family stuff uh apparently the dinosaurs are still in it sorry Teresa. um (laughs) But it's gonna be longer. But he's added back in a lot of Sean Penn in current day, and more Brad Pitt and Jessica Chastain, which I'm particularly excited about because now that those aren't the best parts of that movie, like I, I'm completely buying into the space stuff. But I think just there seems like there'd be a great, probably one of the you know, it was an Oscar nominated movie with it, but I imagine that's an Oscar nominated movie without just having the Jessica Chastain Brad Pitt story would be good enough i'm sure there's a feature there too
2: yeah definitely that's exciting when's that coming out i think september nice
1: yeah i'm excited for that yeah um also i don't know if the same person does his trailers or not but his trailers are some of the best trailers like i've ever seen and maybe that's part of it is, like, yeah gets so pumped from the trailer yeah <laughs> like i think night of cups is one of my favorite trailers of all time like the way the music and the images work together it's like perfect
0: yeah, I was stoked when that trailer came out. Me too. And I, I love I really like Night of Cups. And I think in the way I think of Night of Cups is um that Night of Cups is related to Tree of Life in a lot of ways, and my my mastermind theory here is that there are three brothers uh in Tree of Life that grow older and one of them dies, and that that's Wes Bentley that dies. And and Sean Penn is just the the alienated third brother, like, from, from the three of them, mm-hmm. and that, that they all are in the same world, in the same family. Um.
1: Yeah, Night of Cups, when I first saw it, I was like, meh, and then I've rewatched it maybe, like, two or three times since then, and yeah, I think every time I watch it, I actually like it more, I think it has a really good emotional tone to it that stays consistent throughout, and then, um, yeah, and the acting is, is great by Christian Bale, so...
2: It's also fun seeing these like huge celebrities pop up and saying like one word and then never being seen again. It's like, oh,
1: okay.
0: Yeah, Antonio Banderas is like the king. He gets like three lines. Yeah. yeah. So we end each one of these with talking about uh, what we're watching, what we're into. Um, Chris is making faces at me.
2: I have nothing left.
1: You have no- <laughs>
0: He's empty. I would like to remind Chris that we're in the future and you've watched more things since the six weeks that have preceded this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: So, speaking of Malick, my suggestion of what to watch this week is a film by Shane Carruth called Upstream Color, which shares a lot of the same um, aesthetic qualities that Terrence Malick uses in his films. Um, Upstream Color has more of a surreal sci-fi narrative to it, that Malick's movies are all set in in reality, where Upstream Color is kind of set in this, I don't even know what you would call it it's definitely a heightened state of reality
0: yeah it's like a parallel mm-hmm. a parallel world that obeys most of the rules that our world obeys
2: right exactly um but yeah it's it, it's definitely a, a weird little movie go check it out
0: yeah talking about terence Malick making movies with dslrs i mean that was made on gh3 or gh4
2: i think the gh4 yeah, yeah
0: so for like a camera that any of us could have access to uh very cheaply now that there's two cameras that come come after it, and it's a beautifully shot movie. Yeah, and, uh, he, and no name actors.
2: Yeah, he made it all himself. Like kept the whole thing under wraps. Nobody even knew about it till it was finished. He did all the music. He did like all the marketing. He self distributed it, and it was like wildly successful. So
0: just like his previous movie, yeah, Primer.
1: Oh yeah,
2: which he made for seven thousand dollars, and it won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance, and it was his first movie.
0: And it looks like crap.
1: Fuck you, Shane Carew <laughs>
0: I mean, that it looks like crap is shot on like a, a camcorder, like a little. Right. Yeah.
1: I think the ca- um, the genre that you can categorize, maybe both those in, but definitely upstream color is speculative narrative mm. fiction. Yeah. Because it's like based in reality, but it's like, what if this was reality? Do you have one? That's from my fancy book learning degree. Oh, uh, yes. No, I actually don't have a fancy book learning degree.
0: You do have a fancy book learning degree.
1: <laughs> no. Um. um you go.
0: Uh While well, keeping in the theme in this kind of like Terrence Malick movies that were not directed by Terrence Malick, uh, I had two movies I was thinking of. I'm gonna go with the one that's more closely to Uncle Tito, uh, and that is uh, Only God Forgives, uh, a movie that also seems to me- have a meandering plot with Ryan Gosling. Um, this movie is shot beautifully. It's uh, Nicholas Winding Refn came out after Drive and got like ripped to shreds at Con. Uh, the movie is not an easy watch by any means. It's very violent, and it's kind of like, yeah, you know, the evil side of Terrence Malick. The Terrence Malick's about the humanity and of love and in relationship to nature. And um, Nicholas Winning Refn has a particular brand of like connection to violence and a connection to hatred and kind of these darker themes. Uh, but Only God Forgives is a good one. Uh, I think it, it gets a lot of shit because it's not Drive. It's, like, set up to be, like, Drive 2, but it's nothing like Drive. Um, like I said, not an easy watch. There's some pretty graphic violence. And Nicholas Winning Ruffin didn't do himself any favors. There's a great docu- documentary. Uh, if you uh, watch Summer, All of Only God Forgives, then on Netflix there's My Life as Directed by Nicholas Winning Ruffin, which is wife made a documentary about the making of um, being married to him as he's making um, Only God Forgives and his kind of The Aftermath of it and that he he's you he see the very real worries that he was you know, you know, very rarely do you see into like the filmmaking world because usually when these pretentious art movies come out that we like they are always everyone's like oh he's a, he's a genius he's a master and you can see Nicholas Winning Refn uh, as the movie's getting done that people aren't getting it and that he's very worried that people aren't going to get it and that he failed because people don't get it and it's, it's really a great watch so only God forgives but also my life as directed by Nicholas Winning Refn
1: which is such a loaded title for a wife to <laughs> put as the title of her movie. So, my what to watch suggestion is also in the same vein of these types of movies with beautiful images and emotional uh, weight to them. Um, I really like Lars von Trier's Melancholia. Uh, I think it has like a little bit more structure than Terrence Malick's films, some of his later ones might. Um, however, it still is very image based. It's still um, using music to pull like the emotions out of you. And um, yeah, it just has like a really intense, like y- you feel really intense after you watch it. It's like a great, great film, but you probably feel like depressed and want to kill yourself afterwards. <laughs> so yeah, well, you should watch that like one. Like all of his movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that one in particular just has such, like, a mood to it. Like, it's so floaty, almost.
0: I'd say that of the three movies that we all recommended to watch, that Melancholia has the most, like, determined plot. But the plot, unlike, you know, mainstream movies, the plot of Melancholia is still not in your face by any means. It's still kind of, like, set back against this, like, family drama.
2: It's kind of like a a meditation on depression, almost. Because, like, in the first... I think in, in, when that movie first starts, you see the planet hitting Earth, right? You see, yeah. so mm-hmm. from the very beginning of this movie, you know what's going to happen, and then you're just kind of watching these characters, you know, unravel, unravel, yeah, in the weight of that. Right. So there's never any hope for anybody in this movie. <laughs> no.
1: And whether you take the planet crashing into Earth as like a literal thing or just a metaphorical thing, no matter what, it's like the world has ended for these characters. Mm-hmm. And um, I take it's it how literally. They, I do too, but it's how they accept it or don't accept it. Yeah, And it's it's a really good movie.
2: Oh man, we could do a whole other podcast on Lars Trier. Yeah, yeah, we could. We'll save that one for next time. Uh,
0: with that being said, uh, thank you so much for watching. Uh, we have a YouTube channel where we put things we talked about today, links to uh, the podcast uh, as well as anything we mentioned got wrong. Uh, so like that smash button, smash that like button. And uh I'm Andrew.
2: I'm Teresa, and
0: I'm Chris. So like, share, subscribe, and we'll see you next time. We still don't know how to sign off. You guys can't make hand gestures. It's a podcast
2: for the YouTube. Yeah, back. we could be like. Also, I'm trying to get that Red that. Bull sponsorship.
0: Oh yeah, no, great. We have to shoot the whole video again.
1: Smash that subscribe button.